the basis for our sermon today is from Matthew chapter 3, talking about John the Baptist. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers! Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees. And every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand. He will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. The Gospel of our Lord. Please take a seat. Okay, let's address the elephant in the room right away. That was a doozy of a gospel reading, wasn't it? I mean, you, 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 you hear something like that, and then we say after it, the, the gospel of our Lord, praise be to Christ. Maybe you're thinking, wait, that was the gospel of the Lord? A guy yelling, repent, and calling people a brood of vipers, and an axe ready to chop, and unquenchable fire. Why are we saying praise be to Christ for that? And maybe this is why uh, John the Baptist, he never shows up in any living nativities. Maybe, maybe you've been to a living nativity. You know, some churches will do that where they'll have like live actors actually playing out the Christmas story right in front of you. And... John the Baptist is a huge part of Advent, the season leading up to Christmas, but you never see John the Baptist at any living nativities. And, you know, they don't have John the Baptist there as people coming in, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Uh, they don't station him out in the, in the parking lot. As soon as people get out of their cars, he's not yelling at them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Happy Advent, you brood of vipers. Uh, you, you don't ever see John the Baptist at a living nativity. Because it turns out, John the Baptist, he's kind of a, a Christmas buzzkill, isn't he? Seems that way anyway. Seems like he's, he's, just, he's just putting a damper on our Christmas preparations here. It kind of seems like he's, he's more of a kind of crazy street corner preacher than actually the forerunner of the Savior. But John's preaching. It's not just aimless yelling and it's not just street corner preaching. 
the, the work John does for, for people, including you and me, it's really important work. John wants to help us prepare productively to meet our Savior. And yeah, he's got some pretty tough words here, but we really do need to listen to these words. His, his warning and his call to repent, because it's all part of preparing productively to meet our Savior. And, and we're going we're gonna to dive in. We're going to tackle these tough words from John today to see why, why, yeah, they're tough words to hear, but they are words we want to listen to, to prepare productively. And of course, the first thing that John says to do is to repent. Maybe be a good idea to define repentance again. Uh, to repent literally means to turn, to redirect, to change one's mind. And in practice, what this looks like is, right, we, ad- we admit our guilt of sin, we, we turn to God, trusting his forgiveness. That's the turning there, turning from sin, turning to God. And this, this repentance, it's something that we do every week here at worship, right? We do that at the, the confession of sins near the beginning of our service. The goal of it is to prepare our hearts productively, to, to receive God's forgiveness. Because think about it, if, if we were unwilling to admit or acknowledge our sin, if, if we thought we didn't really need to, or we didn't want to turn from any sins at all, well then, really, there wouldn't be a whole lot of reason for Jesus. Jesus would be kind of pointless if we didn't even think that there was any reason for him to come and save us from anything. And unrepentance is kind of essentially saying, well, why would I need forgiveness? I don't require it. I don't need it. I haven't done anything wrong. But repenting is kind of an important thing for us to do as we draw near to God in worship, as he draws near to us with his grace, with his forgiveness through Jesus. God is ready and and willing to heal as long as we're not just rejecting his healing that he wants to give us. And this drawing near of the Lord is really what prompts John the Baptist's call to repentance, right? He gives the reason. He says, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, in, in John the Baptist's case, you know, the, the Lord of heaven was actually walking on the earth. He was about to reveal himself and take up that work of being the Messiah. But for us too, the kingdom of heaven has come near for us as well. It's kind of what we talked more about last week when we talked about right, John, or, uh, Jesus has already come and done his work, and now we're waiting for him to come back a second time on Judgment Day. And so our hearts, we still need that, that preparation, that productive preparation as well. And, and it seems like, for the most part, the, the people that were coming out to John the Baptist, they understood their, their need for repentance, and they understood the, the need for John's baptism, sealing and, and assuring them of forgiveness from God. A lot of people were coming out to John. It didn't seem like he was turning anyone away until some of these head honcho religious leaders, the, the Pharisees and Sadducees, they go out and then kind of all hell breaks loose, almost literally here. I mean, John, John says to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? And... We don't usually feel bad for these religious leaders, the Pharisees. They're usually, they're kind of jerks. But here maybe we, 
we kind of feel for him a bit. I mean, John is really harsh with them. It seems like they didn't even do anything yet. They're just coming out to see him, and he just starts yelling at them. Come on, John. Like, what? Why are you picking on these guys so much? Why so harsh? And we don't really get the full rundown of, of what prompts John to, to speak this way to them. But by looking at what John says to these guys, you kind of can get a picture of why he's upset with them. Now, maybe first of all, these religious leaders, they, they kind of wanted to probably come and check up on John's teaching because they, they saw this was happening. The people would rather go out and listen to John in the wilderness than listen to them, the religious leaders in Jerusalem. And so they're probably going out there to flex a little muscle to show, hey, we're still in control of the people and trying to show, well, we're even in control of John and his preaching. Look, we're here to kind of sanction all this. And the weird thing is, it even looks like they're, they're ready to receive John's baptism. Seems like that's why they came out there. But clearly their hearts weren't ready for that. They didn't have a sincere desire for John's baptism. They weren't willing to acknowledge sin. They, they were unrepentant. And apparently they believed they were entitled to receive this rite of baptism from John just because of who they were. John kind of nips that thinking in the bud uh, right away. He says to them, And do not think you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones... God can raise up children for Abraham. They were claiming their own blood ties uh, to, to Abraham as their ticket to righteousness. Being a true child of Abraham is not just about blood and genetics. It's about sharing the faith of Abraham, his faith in his promise-keeping God. These guys... They would rather have just put faith in themselves and their own perceived righteousness. And the more you read the gospel accounts, the more you, you see that's kind of how these guys are operating, these Pharisees and Sadducees. And maybe the harshest thing Paul, or sorry, not Paul, John says to them, he calls them a brood of vipers, right? That's, whoa, yikes. Turns out they, they did need to be called out, though. They were deceiving the people. These religious leaders had been called to, to lead the people in the way of righteousness. Instead, they're leading people down a path of self-righteousness, which really, you follow that path, it's only going to lead to failure and ultimately destruction. They didn't want to point people to the coming Messiah. They'd rather point people to their own works. And really, that was going to be counterproductive preparation. So John has some harsh words for these Pharisees, these Sadducees. But, yeah, the situation called for some kind of harsh words to them. And for us, we, of course, we get a little surprised, maybe upset with John for talking this way. Maybe we need to ask ourselves, why? You know, why do John's words here unsettle me? Do I actually feel bad for these, these Pharisees? Or is this personal? Maybe did, John, did John's words here strike a chord with my own heart? I mean, God makes it pretty clear where he stands with, with those who think they're above repentance, above needing spiritual cleansing. I mean, John talks about God's wrath 
It's not a part of God we like talking about or focusing on. And the point is, though, that, you know, God's wrath against sin, it's a real thing. Just looking at the numbers here, God's wrath, it's mentioned in the scriptures over 300 times. So we can't just sweep it under a rug, can we? As much as we would want to just focus on the good stuff, the nice-sounding stuff, and we should, at the same time, though, we can't ignore God's wrath against sin. We can't dismiss it. It's something we've got to take seriously. also means we need to take repentance seriously, right? Repenting, again, meaning to admit the guilt of sin, turn to God, trusting his forgiveness. And there's also something there that we want to do as well, to, to leave that sin behind. And I think that, that's maybe the part of this that we struggle with the most. I mean, admitting sin, that's a tough step to take, but actually closing the door, keeping it shut on those temptations, that is, that is hard. Now, we do need to be clear, we are not the, the Sadducees and Pharisees here. Right? They, they did not want to believe in God's Messiah. They were unrepentant. They, they didn't want to admit shortcomings, didn't want to listen to God's prophet or his word. That's not us. That's, that's not what we're saying here. And yet, there's still some words that I can kind of convict us here. We probably have the problem not so much of, as Christians, being unrepentant, as much as our problem might be too often our repentance kind of stops short. Our repenting can kind of be a, a mechanical, transactional version of repentance. I think maybe you know what I mean by that. This, this happens when, right, we feel guilty, we ask for forgiveness, we find relief in God's absolution, and that is great. Do not change a single thing about all that. But I think the hard part for us then comes in what comes next, just leaving that sin behind. Sometimes maybe as soon as we get that forgiveness, I, I got what I needed, all right, right back to the old life, right back to letting those sins right back in. And maybe a, an example of this could be, right, we do that confession of sins here at, at church, at worship. And I think it could be kind of easy to just kind of go through the motions of that, to, to just not really think about what we're saying, not really think about our sin. And of course, the point of it again is, is to help us prepare ourselves to receive God's forgiveness, to lay our sin burdens at Jesus' feet. But if we just kind of don't really think about what we're doing, go through the motions, maybe it's, maybe it's not really helping us all that much. John the Baptist says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Not surprisingly here, as you, as you look at all these things, John's harsh preaching of repentance and his warning about God's wrath, and we start to despair, start to fear, get beat down. How well have I repented? Have I repented enough? Am I sincere enough? If I turn from my sins enough, the axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire, Am I going to get chopped down? Thrown in the fire? John's preaching aims at repentance. Once he hits that target, once we feel the weight of our sin, John doesn't waste time pointing you to your Savior. He says, 
Look at Jesus. He is your way out. He will take care of your sin with his perfect life, with his atoning death for you. Jesus can forgive, wipe out, clear, cancel all your sins freely, fully, without condition, without any payment necessary for you. When we feel the weight of our sin and and our half-hearted repentance, John wastes no time pointing you to your Savior. He points to Jesus. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. God's wrath, that, that topic that always gets us feeling uncomfortable and scared, well, that's exactly what Jesus came to deal with. Jesus satisfies God's wrath for me. And in one of those hymns that we like to sing here at Living Hope, we didn't sing it today, but that hymn, In Christ Alone, in verse 2 of that song, we sing about God's wrath being satisfied. We sing, on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. For every sin on him was laid. Here in the death of Christ, I live. The axe laid at our root to chop us down has been removed. It's been taken away. It's been redirected to strike at that root of Jesse instead. The axe of God's wrath against sin chopped down Jesus instead of us. We get God's favor. And that that little baby lying in the manger, that was his purpose. That was his purpose to come to earth to satisfy God's wrath for sinners, to keep God's will perfectly for us. This is the, the humble and yet at the same time uplifting truth that we focus our hearts on during Advent. That Jesus has come down The love of God has for sinners far outweighs his wrath. And if you ever doubt that, just look at that little baby lying in the manger. God's love has come down. He pulls us out of darkness. He breaks the chains of sin. He lifts the weight and the burden of our guilt from our shoulders. John the Baptist's ministry has come to an end, but Jesus' ministry, that continues. In his word, Jesus gives his Holy Spirit and refining fire. He uses his his winnowing fork to separate from us that useless chaff of our sins. We come through clean. Jesus makes us good wheat to be brought into God's storehouse. And Jesus even leads us in producing fruits of repentance. Our our fruits of repentance, we don't do them in order to earn forgiveness. Because we have forgiveness, we produce these fruits. The fruits don't come first, the tree does. The tree of the cross. On that tree of the cross, as Jesus took on God's wrath for sinners, that's where he also gave us a desire to turn from sin and to keep turning from sin to produce that fruit in keeping with repentance. In the end, John the Baptist really doesn't belong in a nativity, a living nativity or a nativity set. First of all, because John the Baptist, he was still a baby at Christmas too. He wasn't preaching at all at that point. 
But man, does John fit well in the season of Advent. There is no one better at preparing our hearts to meet our Savior, to prepare productively. John points us to repentance. And above all, he points to Jesus as the solution for sin. And Jesus doesn't disappoint. He's not going to disappoint this Christmas either. Look, the Lamb of God takes away the sins of the world lying in a manger. The gospel of our Lord. Praise be to Christ. Amen.